0: Welcome back to I'm Open Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about sweaty fake mustaches, porta potty shame, and which athlete reminded me of eating staples. All this and so much more coming up next on I'm Open Podcast. I'm Open Family. You know what we always say. Dream big, but keep your expectations medium. More like a medium. Because if you set expectations too big. Okay. Dreams are one thing. That's hopes. Maybe one day we can do this. If everything works out, we can do this. That's awesome. Everybody should dream big. But with expectations, don't necessarily expect big. Expect a medium, right? Because then when you do something great, It is going to feel great because you're going to supersede, you're going to overcome maybe the expectations you had. But if you say you're going to do something that's never been done before, something world record setting, changing, and then if you just do something really good to you, it still is going to feel like a letdown. It's going to feel like, man. I didn't change the world with this song. Or, man, you know, this painting I did doesn't, isn't better than Picasso's paintings. I must suck. No, it doesn't mean you suck. It's just all a reflection of your expectations. Of your expectations. So, that is something, you can't always control the outcome. You can usually control your expectations. So, now somebody who actually took this even a little bit too far and maybe is taking our advice and pushing it to the, to the extreme, is Jameis Winston. Famous Jameis. Now, this guy, literally, they started calling him Famous Jameis before he was even famous. Yes, it sounds good. It rhymes with the name. It's the name of the cookies that we all... Lo- uh, you know, I was going to say we all love. They're not that good. They're, they're too crunchy to me. They're not that poppin' for cookies, but we all know them for sure. Famous Amos, so it's a take on that. Famous Jameis, and literally... They did start calling Jameis, famous Jameis, while he was still in high school. Now, I mean, of course, Jameis was already famous to that community where he was growing up in Alabama, but he was not world famous or or nationally famous um, at that time. But it was almost a premonition calling him famous Jameis as a young man. He went on to win the championship at Florida State, be the number one draft pick, and now he's the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now... The NFL has been doing something the past several years to try to grow the game of football, build the brand, and introduce new fans to the sport to, obviously, make more money. That's the real point of the whole thing, right? Let's not that's not beat around the bush. They want to make more money, and how do you do that? Have more people buy jerseys, have more people pay to stream football games, pay to go to football games, etc., etc. That's the way it works, so... For the past few years, the NFL has been sending games over to London. They play them in soccer stadiums. I'm sorry, in traditional football stadiums in London. They send two teams over. They both go have a game in London. Bunch of fans go. They get to cheer for their teams. And cool, they get to see live American football in person, right in front of them in their hometown or their home country. So, this past weekend... Jameis Winston, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveled to London to battle their division rivals, the Carolina Panthers. Now, unfortunately for the NFL, and unfortunately for the British folks at that game, they probably will never want to watch another football game again in their lives. Definitely not one, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they really, the NFL has got to think about which games they send over to London. Don't turn these folks off. Don't show them our worst side, show them our best side, show them something that they're going to want more of, not something that's going to make them uh, gag and wish they were still watching Tottenham play. So, Jameis Winston, he goes over with his team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he throws not one, not two, not three, not four, but five interceptions in the game. That's five times for our beginner football fans that this man threw the ball directly to the other team, which was not his team, which is not what he's supposed to do. And I'm sure you you were following along with that, even if you're not a big football fan. You're supposed to throw it to your own team, not the other team. That might be something Jameis needs a quick, quick little refresher on. Because he was throwing that shit straight to the other team... Every single time he got the chance. Five interceptions. And a lot of them, if you were watching them, like, unfortunately, I was. And our nice uh London NFL fans were as well. A lot of them were just directly to the other team. It didn't even look like any of his guys had a real chance to make the catch. So, Jameis laid a sloppy and stinky one down right on the turf in London for all the fans to see. Five interceptions. He even had a moment during the game of Jameis where he fumbled on back-to-back plays. He literally fumbled the ball. And fumbled. We're working on our football vocabulary today. Fumbling for our football beginner fans. I'm open family. That's why we're fucking called I'm Open because it's welcoming, opening to every single person. If you like football, if you hate football, we don't care. You're going to love this podcast. And we're here to teach you. We're here with open doors and open arms and an open heart and, of course, open mind. So, He fumbled it, which means you drop the ball and give the other team a chance to pick it up and steal it away from you guys. He fumbled it twice on consecutive plays. Now, every single coach over and over and over again talks about protect the football, protect the football, protect the football, protect the football. Don't fumble it. Don't give it away. This man got tackled, dropped the ball. Luckily, his teammates were able to have his back pick it back up, and save the ball for Tampa Bay for another play. Immediately on the following play, he got tackled and dropped the ball again. And this time, they were not as lucky. The Carolina Panthers picked up the ball. But to fumble twice on consecutive plays, like that's like getting into a fender bender, immediately driving away and just driving straight into a telephone pole. Now, I'm not trying to make light of DUIs or DWIs or car accidents or any of these things, but I'm just saying when you immediately experience something that is clearly a mistake on your part, you just drive into the back of somebody else's car, and then you pull away and drive into a telephone pole, you obviously have not learned your lesson. And Jameis was out there in London driving into a telephone pole over and over and over again, and... He, they, they wouldn't put him out of his misery. They wouldn't rescind his driver's license. They just le- kept putting his ass back behind the wheel, unfortunately. Now, this is a rough game. This is a game that might make somebody want to retire from playing football or never even show their face in public again. But Jameis, look, they've been calling this man Famous Jameis since he was like 15 years old, okay? He had a pregame speech for his team last season when he was talking about getting that W, but we're not just going to get the W, we're going to eat the W. Now, I'm not sure, now, W stands for win, I'm sure all of our Amelton family folks knew that. W stands for win, I'm not sure, getting the W seems like plenty to me, I don't know about eating it, I don't even know why the metaphor has to extend that far, I'm not sure what that even means. So he made his fingers in the W formation. He said, we're going to not only get this W, we're going to eat this W. He made his fingers in the W formation, and then he started sucking on all of his fingers as some sort of a freaky, kinky, motivational tactic for all of his teammates. Uh, Doesn't look like it's been working. Let's just put it that way. Does not look like it's been working. But the guy is overflowing with confidence, despite... I mean, this is the same man who walked out of a grocery store stealing... King Crab Legs, while he was, in college, a super famous athlete, famous Jameis, that's his fucking name, he was attending Florida State University in Tallahassee, a small town, a football town, centered around Florida State, football, the most famous position is Quarterback. James's position, and he had the audacity, the confidence, the oozing confidence, and, I guess, swag, if you want to say that, to literally carry King Crab Legs straight out of the grocery store without paying for them while he was probably the most famous person living in Tallahassee. And he got away with it, so obviously he knows he can do some shit and get away with it. He's got the confidence to bounce back. Now, after the game... Back to the present day. Back to the game in London. I just needed to give you guys a little context about the type of cat Jameis is. The type of confidence this guy has, okay? This man could literally fall down a full flight of stairs and say, Oh, I was just stopped dropping and rolling because I'm on fire. His confidence will not be flustered no matter what. And he showed that again this week after turning the ball over six times. Some reporters were asked talking to him, as they do after every game. How do you feel about this? Do you feel sad? Do you have any regrets? This must be your worst game you've ever had, isn't it? I mean, five interceptions? A fumble? You were coughing the ball up more than I was coughing up mucus when I had bronchitis. But no! Jameis said, Oh, no. I've had a lot of bad games. But hopefully i will play more good games than bad ones. He still was not flustered. Now, yeah... As a leader of the team, you gotta have an even keel. You can't let yourself get too high or too low when your team is counting on you. But, okay, I think there's an exception when you throw five interceptions, fumble the ball left and right all over the frickin' yard, and really don't show any regard for caution or safety protecting the football throughout the entirety of the game. Yeah, that might be a moment where you do reflect and say, yeah, that fucking sucked. But no! Jameis says, oh no, I've done way worse than this! And... This goes back to the expectations thing. I don't know what Jameis is doing some sort of a voodoo mind trick on all of us. Oh, man, you think that was bad? I can do way worse. I can do way worse. Just try me. Like, I don't know if that's really what we want to hear, Jameis, I guess. Jameis is trying to push it and set the expectations even lower, even further down, while also maintaining his own confidence at a complete 100, and it's really impressive. You don't really see this very often. This is why it's a, why Jameis is really a unique individual. But I don't really think that's encouraging. Like to him, he was like, "Hey, doesn't bother me. I've done way worse than this. Five interceptions. You think that's bad? Next time I'll go out and throw five interceptions at fucking once. Give me five balls. I'll throw them all to somebody on the other team. I don't give a shit." But it's but I don't know if that's that encouraging. It's like if you're going out on a date and you got some kids, you leave your kid home with the babysitter, you get home and the kids are still awake. You tell the babysitter, well, geez, I told you curfew bedtimes at nine 30. It's one 45 in the morning. Cause me and my spouse are fucking lit and we went out raging all night. Why the hell are kids still, still awake? It's almost two in the morning and the babysitters like, Oh God, I know this isn't very good. But I mean, last time one of the kids got their head stuck in between the radiator." And the other one disappeared. So, I mean, this isn't that bad. But is that encouraging to you? Or you're probably never going to hire that babysitter again. No. Or imagine. You're dining. You're out with your family or friends or loved ones or colleagues or maybe people you don't even know. You're out to dinner at a fancy restaurant enjoying yourself. Digging into a nice cordon bleu. And then... As you bite, as you chew through the layers of of cheese and chicken and various other (laughs) toppings and ingredients, you find a staple in your, in your food, in your dinner, a staple made out of metal. And you say, geez, I mean, I didn't order anything with staples in it. I didn't ask for even a side of staples or a topping or even a, little drip or dabble of staples in my entree and you call the waiter you raise your little hand and you say waiter excuse me um i'm not sure um which which dish this staple was supposed to be for but this de- definitely wasn't i or what i ordered and the waiter says oh my god oh my god Let I me mean, have the chef come out and apologize this is so terrible this is so embarrassing so the chef comes out and they say oh boy you found this staple in your food well is anybody here poisoned no? All right, good. I mean, it could have been a lot worse, because last time, well, anyway, we don't need to get into it, but as long as it's a staple, are you bleeding just a little bit? All right, fine. That should be fine. No poison, though. Is anybody vomiting or anybody's eyes bleeding yet? Or anybody have weird foam stuff coming out of their ears? Great. Did anybody's toenails fall off? All right, great. So then you're like, well, then what happened last time? I'm never coming to this restaurant again. And Jameis is that chef who just served us a plate full of rusty staples, but he's saying, oh, well, last time, um, it was worse. And I don't know, this doesn't make me want to come back to this restaurant again, okay? I'm definitely not coming here again when my friends visit from out of town or when I have a special occasion like my birthday or anniversary, we're definitely not coming back to this restaurant. Because we know, I mean, Staples, that's just like middle of the road. That's like average experience. It could be much worse than Staples. And that's basically what Jameis was trying to tell us. So, honestly, at this point, it is befuddling, confusing. It's a great mystery. And this might be something that psychologists could study or... And scientists, anthropologists, I don't even know, because Jameis has an unending and ever-flowing cascade of confidence that will not be shaken. Like this man, he was the number one overall draft pick, as we said. He has played 61 games in his career. In that time, he has thrown 63 interceptions which is, as we all learned before, is when you throw it to the other team. And he has fumbled the ball 41 times. Now, only 18 of those were recovered by the other team. So still, 63 interceptions, 18 fumbles. So that's in 61 games, this man has given the ball to the other team over 80 times. But still, but still, he's confident, he's a leader, he's sucking on his fingers to motivate his teammates in some freaky way, and he is not going to be shaking, he can do worse. So in some way, that gives him poise and confidence, and you gotta hand it to Jameis, whatever's working for him or not working for him, I guess just roll with it. somebody who wasn't the first pick, or second pick, or third pick, or fourth, he wasn't even top 10, or top 20, or top 100, he was the 178th pick, a lot of people thought this man was too small to excel at the professional level, a lot of people thought this man's mustache was too abrasive, a lot of people thought this man just sounded like a member of Bilbo Baggins' squad from the Shire, Gardner Minshew II, but Gardner Minshew II has become a cult hero. He has become a fan favorite recently as he has been thrust into the limelight, thrust into the starting lineup for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Gardner, as I mentioned, was not highly touted out of college. He was the 178th pick coming out of Washington State he's got a name that's almost as funny as his mustache but when Nick Foles the expected starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars got injured in the very first game of the season it was Gardner time and it was time for Minshew mania this guy came in basically without anybody having any expectations about him for him we're back to the expectations And has become a cult hero. Now, a lot of it is because of the mustache. I do think about 75% of it is because of the mustache. If he didn't have a funny mustache, people would be a lot less excited. The other, about 20%, is because his name is Gardner Minshew II. Which, as I mentioned, does sound like he was from the Shire. And real, like, close boyhood friends with Bilbo Baggins. But... He is also playing pretty good football. He is keeping the Jacksonville Jaguars competitive. And he, when a lot of people thought that their season was lost after losing the starting quarterback, Nick Foles, who they had just brought over from Philadelphia, and who won a Super Bowl from with Philadelphia, this man has given Jacksonville new life. So... What do all teams do when they've got an exciting player, when they've got a fan favorite, when they've got a superstar on their team? Have a promotional, fun giveaway night at your stadium for the player! Of course! We've seen all sorts of varieties of this. We've seen garden gnomes, we've seen bobbleheads, that's the most kind of famous one. We've seen hats, bats, shirts, all sorts of giveaways, but this is one I don't think that I've seen before, which is the mustache, Minshew mustache. No, they were giving away little mustaches to each fan, so you come in, you get your own mustache. Everybody in the whole stadium in Jacksonville was sitting there in their seats with their own Gardner Minshew replica mustache. And it was kind of a weird scene as you panned around the stadium to see thousands and thousands of men, women, and children of all ages, sizes, shapes, and colors all wearing Gardner Minshew's mustache. The only problem was, and this is not Gardner's fault, but this is just a shout out and a recommendation, just some advice to all teams. When you do these promotional events, I understand they're a lot of fun for fans. They do actually boost ticket sales, and I know it might seem silly, but they do actually boost ticket sales for, for teams and encourage fans to go to the game. And I'm sure it did for this one. I'm sure a lot of people wanted that novelty Minshew mustache. But they picked a game in Jacksonville where they were hosting the New Orleans Saints, who happened to be one of the best defenses in the entire league. Now, Jacksonville was only able to score six points, led by Gardner Minshew at quarterback. They only had two field goals, each three points, no touchdowns. And they lost 13 to 6 to the New Orleans Saints. So, then, you're sitting there. You're in Jacksonville, which is already tough. It's hot out. It's sweaty. It's swampy. It's humid. You're wearing a fake mustache. You're dripping. You've got a, you've got a long line of drippy sweat, sloppy sweat on your upper lip from a fake mustache. I'm not sure which material they used. Could not have been comfortable. And you've got a soggy upper lip. You're very hot. Your team isn't moving the ball at all. And your team is losing to the New Orleans Saints. Now, if you're Jacksonville, great. Do the Minshew Mustache Day. This is fun. It's a great idea. But do it a day that you actually might be able to score some points, have some excitement, and win the game. The shot we all wanted. The shot everybody wanted to see. From this game was Gardner Minshew throwing an awesome touchdown pass, running down the field with his little mustache, and then panning to the crowd, all of the fans, cheering and shouting and yelling and pounding beers and shoving burgers and nachos down their throats with the same Minshew mustaches as they celebrated the touchdown. And well, I guess since it's Florida, probably like Gator Bites and Turtle Burgers or something like that, whatever they ate down there, that's what we wanted to see as they celebrated the success of Gardner Minshew, but we never got that shot. We were robbed by the Jacksonville Jaguars of that opportunity because they chose a game where their team did not score at all. Okay, field goals, but it's fine. But field goals, not. It's not a big. Yeah, it's not. Field goals aren't a big, big celebratory mood in the same way. Like, I know, I know this team was in a rush to take advantage of the hype surrounding Gardner, Minshew, and make it fun, make it a thing, bring people out to the stadium. Jacksonville has been known, I'm not trying to poke holes here, not trying to, you know, not trying to point fingers, but Jacksonville has been known to have um, lower attendance figures around the league, one of the lowest rates of attendance for any team. So yeah, let's do it. Let's pump it up and let's do it a fun. Let's make it fun. But not against one of the best defenses in the league because you ruined the fun. Now you can't go back and do the Minshew mustache again. Maybe next year. But this is a moment you blew. The New York Jets. They're coming to town. October 27th. That would have been a perfect time right around Halloween. The the mustache is kind of like a little costume. It's like we have 50,000 people dressed up as Gardner Minshew for Halloween. The Jets, you definitely would have been able to score against them. It would have been worth it. I mean, you have got the Buccaneers. Jameis Winston's Buccaneers traveling to town December 1st. You definitely could have scored against them. I promise you, you definitely could have scored against them. You had some different opportunities there to have a game that you could actually score and we missed the money shot. We missed the money shot. That's the whole, the whole reason you do this whole event is just for that one camera shot. I mentioned after Minshew, you have Minshew running down the field with his waving his arm after he scores a touchdown, maybe pumping his fist or maybe holding up the number one, probably, and high-fiving, slap-assing with his guys, maybe chest-bumping, and the fans, you pan to the fans and you see them cheering, waving signs and foam fingers, and they all have their Minshew mustaches, but we never got that. We never got that, and we might never get that because these Jacksonville Jaguar media direction people, whatever promotional team, whatever the hell their title is, they blew their fucking load. They could not wait more than one week to just do this Minshew mustache mania, and they blew it on a week when they didn't score. And I mean, come on, we're you robbed America? So this just goes out to everybody out there. If you're working in the promotional arm of any sports team out there, I don't care if it's baseball, hockey, cricket, soccer, archery, bowling. I don't care what it is. If you're going to do a bobblehead night, if you're going to do some sort of fun, frisky, goofy giveaway night, action figures, T-shirts, hats, underwear, whatever it is, do it a night where that player and your team actually has a chance to have some fun moments. Okay. Structure for success. Structure for success. That is my dad's favorite motto. Love you, Steve. Love you, dad. That he says all the time, structure for success. If you set yourself up, put yourself in a position to succeed, yeah, you've got a better chance to succeed. It sounds basic, but a lot of people don't put themselves in the position to succeed, and then they just expect to succeed. But structure for success and The Jaguars were not structuring for success this past week because they put themselves in a position to fail, where you have to exceed expectations. We're going back to the Jameis topic here. They had to exceed expectations in terms of knocking off the New Orleans Saints, a team that not many people did expect them to beat, scoring and cracking a really tough defense... And so you're not putting yourself in a position to succeed. You're putting yourself in a position where you have to exceed your normal expectations to even reach success. That's not structuring for success. That's setting yourself up to fail. So please, please, I hope to all the promotional teams, all the media marketing teams for sports franchises around the world, I hope you've been listening very closely. Keep doing more promotional events. We love these giveaways. We love it. It's great to get a free little gift when we go to a stadium getting a free little shirt or hat or goggles or fish or whatever you're giving away. We will take it. We love free shit. Please keep doing it, but just please be really smart about the way you do it because it's a great opportunity. But don't blow these opportunities for your teams or for us as fans. Please be thoughtful about this and structure for success when you're going to have a promotional night, a bobblehead night a giveaway mustache night or whatever special night you're going to have please structure for success for our sake at the very least <laughs> moving on to sun shiny los angeles wear The nation, the world has already proclaimed and celebrated the next Lakers super team Anthony Davis going west to join LeBron James on the Lakers and bring the first title since Kobe left back to L.A. Wow, this is awesome. This is exciting. Now, this happened a while ago. This isn't new news. This is old news. Anthony Davis has been in L.A. for a while. Honestly, we knew for about a year. We've known already, even while he was on the Pelicans, we've all known that eventually Anthony Davis was going to go join LeBron on the Lakers. Basically... Since Anthony signed with Rich Paul, who happens to be LeBron's best friend, who happens to be LeBron's business partner and agent, the second Anthony signed with Rich Paul and decided that he wanted to be represented by him as well, he basically let the world know, I'm going to team up with LeBron James. So now, the prophecy has been fulfilled. AD, King James are a team, and they're joining up in LA, gunning for an NBA title. But, in the aftermath of these events, news has come out about the process, what happened, this, that, and the third, how did this happen, how did you hear from him, what encouraged you to make this choice, all this. Now, this always happens with big events, big trades, and big moves in the sports world, and in the rest of the world, too, right? I mean, we always want to dissect, go back and look at why did this happen? How could we have guessed that this was going to happen? What was the moment that we knew this was going to happen? We love to do that shit, of course, because hindsight is twenty twenty. It's always easier to go back and be like, of course, all the things were lined up. And in this case, they were lined up. Now, we've already talked about some of the secrets, some of the tea that's been spilled about this whole situation with... Lakers general manager Rob Polinka, who, as we spoke about a couple episodes ago, was thirsty as hell, jumping into AD's phone and DMs and everything, basically every five minutes, like calling and calling and calling and calling and texting and not letting him uh, basically speak to anybody else until they had locked in. The AD was coming to the Lakers. Um, something we have just recently learned about this whole process, about this whole drama as Anthony Davis was waiting to become an official member of the Los Angeles Lakers, came out in a story just recently published by ESPN's Dave McMenamin. What happened was Anthony Davis, he loves to go to the movies. Now, in my opinion... Going to the movies is kind of a waste of money. You're paying, like, $19 to see a movie that's going to come out on Netflix soon either way. Or you can stream for free. Or it's going to be on your TV. Uh, and then you're paying, like, $9 for a popcorn. You have to park. You have to everything. I mean, anyway, though, if you've got 30 or $40 million as Anthony Davis has, you don't worry about those little things. You don't worry about 16 or $30. And... He had some free time because it was in the off-season. So Anthony Davis, I'm not sure which movie he was seeing, but he was at a movie theater in Los Angeles. Now he lost his wallet there. He lost his wallet. And this is all according according to my guy, Dave McNamara. So he lost his wallet. He was frantic. How can I get this back? How can I get my wallet back? He was calling. He was visiting. He was trying to get his wallet. They didn't know where it was. It was lost at the movie theater. And he's like, I know I had it there. I mean, I paid like $40 for the large popcorn. The soda was like eleven ninety nine. I remember I got it because those Skittles were like sixteen ninety nine, And I got those. I had the sour berry Skittles. But they're like, no, we can't find it. I don't know anything. I mean, thanks for coming. You're welcome to come back and see 7 Fast, 7 Furious. But I mean, no, we don't have it. Uh, we don't have it. Or Jumanji 4, if you want. Yeah, Jumanji 4 is about to come out. But now we don't have your wallet. I mean... You can just pay us back with interest when you find it or whatever, but no, we don't have it. So anyway, didn't have it. They didn't have it. So he moved on with his life. He assumed, damn, that sucks, lost my wallet, I guess it's time to move on. Just like the Bucks should move on from Jameis Winston. Oh, too soon? Okay, nah, I'm sorry, Jameis, love it. Anyway, he just decided, ah, let's move on. So, then he goes back. This man goes to a lot of movies, obviously. I mean... If you guys didn't know, the more movies you go to, it helps you grow your unibrow. Because you're looking at a giant screen, you're furrowing your brow. And it helps you connect your unibrow. That's why Anthony Davis has a giant unibrow. Because he goes to the movie so much. Little known fact. Anyway... He goes back to the movies again. Anthony Davis had gone back home to Chicago, where he's from. He officially had become a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. The trade had gone through, moving him from New Orleans to Los Angeles. And he was back out in L.A., where he had a home in the offseason. And he decided to go back to the movie theater again. And they saw him. They recognized him. And he's easy to recognize. He's about six foot Ten or seven feet tall ish, give or take. He's got a giant unibrow, and he's famous. And he had just been traded to the Lakers, so he was easy to recognize. And they said, "Excuse me, uh, Mr. Davis. Uh, it's coincidentally, per per chance, total happenstance, and uh, we happened to find your wallet." And he was like, "Oh, really? Cause I have been." calling you motherfuckers every single day coming back to so many movies i saw cars two three and four i saw every single despicable me i saw the secret life of pets okay and you still didn't tell me and now now i'm back again and now you finally oh now it's here now my wallet's here what the hell happened but, you know, I think he was just like, great, I'll take the wallet and uh, thanks for finding it for me. But it's pretty obvious what happened here. It's pretty obvious. Which is that the movie theater was holding Anthony Davis's wallet hostage until he agreed to become a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, to me, this is a little harsh because Anthony already wanted to be a member of the Lakers, like I mentioned. He told us that like... Basically two years ago, he told all of us, I want to be on the Lakers. So movie theater people, like, don't be hard on Anthony. He's wanted to be a Laker the whole time. He is just waiting for for the general managers and the agents and the different moving pieces and parts to figure everything out. But he's been wanting to be a Laker this whole fucking time. But they were literally holding this man's wallet hostage at the movie theater. And whoop, magically, once he became a Laker... We found your wallet, buddy. I mean, look, I know Anthony loves going to the movies. If I were him, I would find a new movie theater because these people are not trustworthy. They're not. But also, for the Lakers fans out there around the world, you guys should all be supporting this movie theater whatever way you can because they literally tried to hold this man's personal belongings hostage to encourage him to go to the Lakers. I'm not sure what the total connection is. Cause like in hostage situations, you kind of have to tell, or it's not as like effective. Like if your son or daughter is missing, God forbid, and somebody has kidnapped them and you go up to some random stranger and say like, Oh my God, I don't know where my son is, but secretly that's the stranger who's kidnapped your son. And if they're just like, Oh, I don't know either. Anyway, good luck. That that's not how a hostage works. Cause you're not gonna give, you're not gonna pay them ransom, cause they don't know where the kid is. But if they're like, yeah, I know where he is, motherfucker, and it'll be fifty dollars, and I'll tell you, then you're giving them the fifty right away, right? Because they have information you need. So in the Anthony Davis situation. Like, watch a fucking heist movie and learn how a hostage situation works. Go back and watch fucking Argo with Ben Affleck, movie theater people. Because this is not the way a hostage works. Okay? This is not the way a hostage situation works. You don't see any fucking ransom letters that show up at, at your house that says, Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Stevenson, we don't know where your son is at all. No fucking clue. Please give us $20. Why would you give them $20 if they don't know where your son is? I mean, this is not how a hostage situation works. Movie theater employees and, and and management. This is not how it works. And you can't hostage somebody who wants to be hostaged. Okay, I mean, okay. And I'm not trying to say like, not like that. That sounds weird. Okay, I'm not trying to say like 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 trapped in a basement. I'm just trying to say that. Anthony Davis wanted to go to L.A. the whole time. He agreed with you. He wasn't trying to push back. I'm like, no, I want to stay in New Orleans, but if I only had my wallet, then I would go to... No, he he wanted to go to L.A. He already wanted to go to L.A. You guys just had to be dicks to him and just hold his wallet just because he he's not his own agent. He's not the manager of the Pelicans or the Lakers. He can't trade himself as much as he's tried to over the past year and a half. So it's, uh, I mean, it's not really fair. I mean, Pelicans fans are probably laughing their asses off after Anthony basically just ghosted them and just dipped out in the midst of the night and didn't even say goodbye and didn't even text back and deleted all the photos they had together from his profile. But, I mean, come on, Lakers movie theater people. Come on, guys. Like, I... I understand. They're like, "Whoa, cool!" Like, I'm gonna keep Anthony Davis's wallet, and then I'll say, "Like, whoa, look! I have like Anthony Davis's like ID." Like, that is cool as shit. If you just like randomly have Anthony Davis's ID at your house, and you can get show it off to your friends, but like, he was trying to come to the Lakers. That's not the hostage was not played out correctly or strategically. So, I mean, luckily it worked out for everybody. Anthony's on the Lakers they gave him his wallet back. They're happy with him now because he's joined their favorite team. But, I mean, this movie theater just totally botched the whole situation. I mean, this this honestly sounds like the type of movie theater that, like, Tony Soprano would own or something, but Tony would be actually strategic and sophisticated about, like, manipulating people as he is, and not just fucking doing it for the fuck of it with his head up his ass, not actually planning, like, don't manipulate people and you don't, what are you trying to manipulate out of them? Right? You have to think about that before you start manipulating I'm not trying to encourage any of you guys to manipulate anybody. I'm just saying, as Tony Soprano does, if you're gonna try to manipulate somebody, you gotta think about what are you trying to get? How can you manipulate them to get what you want to get and in this situation that is not what they thought about what I can totally imagine Tony even like oh hey you know uh I found your wallet so uh just happened to show up just happened to turn up but I wouldn't want any of these bridges to get constructed without my bricklayers union or else the wallet might disappear now that sounds like the type of situation we could see but you gotta be You have to be clear in your own head about the motive. It's about the whole structuring for success thing. Like, you see, everything ties back together. So, I mean, I'm just glad it worked out for everybody. But obviously, these folks employed at the movie theater need to give themselves a little taste of their own medicine and watch some fucking movies. Watch some heist movies. Watch some robbery movies. Maybe some spooky hostage movies. Maybe some, like, Saw type. I don't know. You, you guys should know the movies, that's your fucking job, but there's a lot of movies that explain how to go through this type of situation which you guys just totally botched. So luckily they've got the resources at hand, hopefully the next time they try to hostage somebody's personal belongings, they have their heads screwed on a little bit more correctly, they have their plans set out and they really know what they're trying to get out of the situation so they can manipulate correctly. people are already predicting that the Los Angeles Lakers will return to glory return to the top of the totem pole in the NBA and get a title this season but there's somebody who already predicted last season that the Lakers would win the championship and that is of course none other than the legend himself LeVar Ball. Now, a lot of you folks have probably heard of LeVar Ball through his promotion of his three sons, Lonzo, LaMelo, and LiAngelo Ball. All of them basketball players, one of them in the NBA already. He was on the Lakers, another one currently playing professionally in Australia, and he's going to be a very high draft pick this upcoming year. And of course, the middle child had his life ruined by his father because he pulled him out, out of UCLA, brought him to Lithuania, now he's not good enough to really play professionally for anybody. But at least, According to dad, he is the most handsome of all the brothers and he just gets to chill and enjoy the money rolling in thanks to his two brothers who are better at basketball. LeVar also has Ball in the Family, their own little reality show following the family and he has really created a brand for themselves, literally the big baller brand of shoes and uh, I guess other athletic wear based on himself and uh, his sons. Now, some people call LeVar the magic eight ball because this man spits out another fucking prediction every time you shake him. No, I mean, seriously, the guy has got more predictions than the fucking weatherman, and that's why we love LeVar. Last, I mean, look, he predicted that all of his sons would play for the Lakers, that did not happen, but he did predict that Lonzo would play for the Lakers. That did happen. He at least got one for three. Then he predicted the Lakers would win the championship with Lonzo. That did not happen, but he did predict that LeBron would go join Lonzo on the Lakers. That did happen. Now, what he did not predict is that his son Lonzo would get booted off the Lakers in favor of the aforementioned Anthony Davis, the gentleman who had his wallet stolen in the previous segment, and now Lonzo has been traded As we mentioned, along with his teammates Josh Hart and Brandon Ingram, to the New Orleans Pelicans where they will be te- teaming up with the young legend who was prophesized, Zion Williamson, the young cats ready to try to make a name for themselves in the Western Conference. And LeVar has already come out with another prediction. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. He said that this year, the New Orleans Pelicans will be winning the NBA championship. And you heard it here first. Okay. Well, I, I, okay. I'm, I'll admit you did not hear it here first because Lavar already said it. How far will the Pels go in the playoffs? How far in the playoffs or the championship? Aha! Are they going to win or are they going to the championship? not go to the championship just to go. you going to win. Wow, so you think they're going to take it all this year? Uh, they're going to take it all this year. That's incredible. For sure. LeVar predicting the New Orleans Pelicans will win the championship. He he predicted last year the Lakers would win. It didn't happen. But you got to love that this man is not going to shy away from his predictions. He's going to predict something every time you ask him. Because that's just the way he rolls. Not only did he say that the Pelicans would win the championship this year, which is definitely a long, long shot, the Pelicans are plus 6,000 odds to win the NBA title this year. That means if you bet $100 on the Pelicans to win the NBA title, you win $6,000. So, my suggestion to LeVar, if he's really so confident, cash out, baby. Put your money where your mouth is. Bet your entire life savings, whatever you've earned from the big baller brand. Put that shit on the Pelicans right now because if you win, as I just mentioned, for each hundred you put down, you get 6,000 back on the Pelicans. That is... 60 to 1 odds. I'm sorry, so plus 6,000. I don't I'm not good at betting and gambling. But the point is, long odds for the Pelicans, Lavar doesn't care. He's confident, but even more confident, even more brash was his prediction that after trading, his firstborn son, Lonzo the Lakers, would be cursed, as Lavar prophesied, and would never ever win a championship. again. Now, LeVar, this is why I love LeVar. He's a controversial figure. I know he just says really whatever he thinks, but that's why I love him. This man literally thinks he's living in some sort of a Hercules alternate reality fantasy mythology world where it's like, you will be cursed. You scorned my firstborn son and never again shall you succeed. It's really, I love the way he thinks about this shit. He's on a different level. He's on a literally different level. It's like the Game of Thrones guy is like helping him write speeches and storylines to build this shit up because now he is saying that since his firstborn Lonzo has been dumped from the Lakers, they will never win another championship again. Now, that is really hard to predict, especially now that the Lakers, have LeBron James was mentioned, have Anthony Davis, are considered to be one of the favorites in the entire NBA, but LeVar is confident... And he thinks the Lakers will be cursed for the way they treated him and his boys. Why didn't you listen to LeVar, Lakers, and put all of his sons on the team? Then, maybe you wouldn't be cursed, but, oh, unfortunately, you poked. The prophecy. You poked the prophet and he will now be scorning you for the rest of eternity. The Lakers will never, ever, EVER win another title according to LeVar Ball. Really exciting. Now, according to Lonzo Walt Ball, his brothers will never ever ever wear BBB Big Baller brand shoes again. What? Wait, what? How the hell is it that they're not going to wear their own shoe brand? And that's named after them, the Big Baller Boys, the Big Baller Brand, and the Big Baller Dad LeVar Ball. Why wouldn't the boys wear Big Baller Brand? Well, it turns out, after playing in the NBA, Lonzo has realized he would rather wear a really high level shoe, like, a lot of his teammates and colleagues and opponents get to wear. Maybe Nike, Adidas, even maybe Puma, like DeAndre Ayton, New Balance, like Kawhi Leonard, Under Armour, like Steph Curry, just any kind of normal shoe company that has decent ankle support and he he even admitted he was getting frustrated wearing the shoes. They hadn't been fully lab tested. They weren't fully ready to rock and go out in game speed and he felt like it was holding him back a little bit. So now, Lonzo has moved on. He will no longer be rocking the big baller brand shoes as he plays on the court. And he, looking back, said that he kind of wished he could have done it a little differently. He wished he just could have been a shoe free agent like everyone else and had all the different shoe companies competing over him for his services. You know, now, in retrospect, he's, he's getting to create that situation for himself. But since he is a big brother, as big brothers do, he's using his own experience. He's using his own lessons learned to share those with his little brothers. Well, share it with uh, LaMelo because LiAngelo uh, doesn't matter. He can wear a big baller brand because he's just mostly playing video games uh, and hanging out. So he can wear a big baller brand or whatever kind of shoe he wants or no shoes, frankly. And that's, that's fine. He's relaxing. But for Lamello, hey, and shout out to LiAngelo. I am not trying to make fun of him. I'm not trying to poke holes in him or anything. If you know, I'm Open Family. If you've been listening since the beginning of the show, we have been on Team LiAngelo since day one. He's been our favorite ball brother. We don't want these middle brothers and middle siblings to be overlooked. And he deserves just as much love as his more talented basketball brothers. And as LeVar did say, he is the most handsome of the brothers. But anyway... Lamelo, the one who actually does have a chance to go to the NBA, and a lot of people are saying will be a top five pick next season after he finishes this one season playing professionally in the Australian Basketball League. Lonzo is telling his little brother Lamelo, "Don't wear big baller brand. You don't need to wear big baller brand. Go out there, see what shoe company is willing to offer you the best deal. See what shoes feel the best while you're playing. See what shoes help you maximize your game and." perform to your highest level on the court those are the shoes you could go with don't just wear the shoes your dad wants you to wear our dad wants us to wear and he's telling his brother and he's come out and said this he's telling his brother not to sign with big baller brand and actually to just go and sign with one of the real big shoe companies that most of the other guys sign with and wear while they play now it's always a little tent it can be a little angst-producing, angst-inducing when you mix business and family, right? I mean, as they say, it's kind of better to keep blood and money separate. And this is where it's like a weird situation where, yeah, LeVar is still their dad. I'm sure they still love their dad just because he kind of created a bootleg shoe company that doesn't do a great job supporting their ankles. That doesn't mean that they don't love him and he doesn't support them and their hopes and dreams and stuff just... Emotionally, as a, as a dad, right? So, I, I don't think LeVar is a bad dad. I think he's, he's a little bit over the top. He's a little bit of like a helicopter dad. He maybe does a little bit too much, but we all know dads like that. It doesn't mean that he, you know, it's because he cares about his sons a lot. Maybe a little too much, but he cares a lot. And you can't say that that's not the case. We could probably use more parents who care a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about their kids, and maybe LeVar could just tone it back down a little bit and give some of his interest and care to to some other parents, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, it's going to be a little awkward. It's going to be a little awkward because when you go into these meetings, and I'm sure, you know, LeVar might want to go with LaMelo to the meetings with Nike, with Adidas, with Puma, whoever might want to try to sign this young man and have him be a new sort of face of their brand... And LeVar the whole time, he might be poking holes. Well, Big Baller brand, we have another shoe that that actually is black too, so if you really like black shoes, you could just come with us. Oh, Big Baller brand, we have a high ankle shoe, why don't you, and maybe he'll be poking poking holes and trying to convince his son maybe to come back to Big Baller, or maybe he'll be going in stealing secrets from Nike and Adidas and the other big shoe companies trying to bring them back to Big Baller brand, but I do think it's a hard choice for for Lonzo to eventually kind of break away from his family business, break away from his father's, Father's brand that he started. But I think, you know, and as he's spoken on, he has the benefit of going through these experiences, these trials and tribulations, to share them with his brother, right? And for better or for worse, Lonzo has been in the spotlight. He has gone through a lot. Now, look, LaMelo is been in the spotlight basically since he was like 12 years old because he's the youngest of the brothers. So he's gone through a lot already. And luckily he has the expertise, experience, and advice from his big brother to tell him, look, man, just wear some real shoes. Don't wear big ballers. It's not really about making dad happy all the time. It's about going out there and actually being a baller on the court, not being a big baller, you know, just in the brand. It's about actually being a baller on the court. And that money will come in if you're bawling out, if you're playing to your highest level, all-star games, MVPs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that's what actually brings in the money. I mean, it's yeah, sure, you make your own shoe company, but we've seen how that fizzled out, right? We see how products fizzled out. We all remember Gateway Computers, folks of a certain generation. Those computers that used to have cow spots on the side of them, right? We all remember the giant cookie pizzas that that Papa John's used to have, right? We remember the freaking iPod. Minis like things come and go, but if you perform at a high level, you will make money. You will succeed, and you will build your own personal brand. At that point, it doesn't even really matter what you wear or what you get behind. If you support it, people will buy it, right? I mean, at this point, Shaq he's one of the biggest brands in the world based on based on his success, right? Shaquille O'Neal, we we understand that he's tied with dominance. He's made some movies that don't really make any sense and are not very well uh acted or thought out. He's in the icy hot commercials commercials and stuff. It doesn't really matter what Shaq is selling. We just know It's Shaq, and that's something that people want to be associated with. The guy travels now, like, globally as a DJ, DJ Diesel. It's real. Check it out. You can buy Ticket 20 tours and stuff in between his busy schedule. He's on TNT and stuff, talking during halftime of the games. Does it really matter what Shaq says, or does it really matter what songs what tracks Shaq plays when he's DJing during the set not really no but the point is we just associate Shaq with success with being awesome with being a big fucking hilarious goofball that we all love and that is a legend of his era in the NBA so at this point he can kind of put himself behind any brand and it doesn't matter because it's Shaq, right? And I think LeVar's putting the cart before the horse a little bit here, creating the brand before they have the success. Just let your sons go out and ball out. The funny thing about the whole thing is the kids actually are pretty good at basketball. They're pretty fucking good. Lonzo, he's, he's been up and down so far. I mean, LaMelo, he's been really strong so far showing out in the Australian League. And the guys are pretty good. But what you're setting the expectations so high, and we talked about expectations before, right? It's all about expectations. Life is a product of your expectations. That's, that's the way you feel about the way it's, the outcome of a situation is always going to be a product of your expectations. For the situation, now people are bashing Lonzo, saying, oh, he can't shoot, he sucks. I mean, Lonzo's been playing well, but LeVar set his expectations so high, where he was basically saying that his son was already the best player in the world when he was like 17 years old, that it's really hard to meet those expectations. But his sons actually are good at basketball. They don't suck, like a lot of people are out here saying, oh, their sons are garbage anyway. They're not garbage. They're good at basketball, so just, LeVar, take a little step back and just realize that your sons will build their own brand through success, through playing on the court, through showing a product on the court. And I do think Lonzo's actually starting to just realize that for himself and take his situation into his own hands. And luckily take his brothers under his wing to teach him the lessons that he's already learned as well. Unfortunately, Antonio Brown has been in the news a lot lately. We kind of chronicled his crazy offseason that he had. We talked with Elijah about his crazy situation where he thought a fish head was a threat and he is getting sued by this famous chef, catering company, has dyed his mustache, blonde. He forced his way off of two different teams in the span of less than a year. He is also now facing charges for several serious incidents, and he is not playing for any team as this legal procedure goes through, as they figure out how to handle this variety of charges that are currently being leveled against Antonio, and go through the legal proceedings. So, all he briefly had a one-week stint with the New England Patriots, and they even they released him just because they had more information come out surrounding his entire legal situation and all of the NFL teams seem to currently be in agreement that they should just not really deal with Antonio Brown not have him participate on their teams or come in for a contract or anything until he can figure out his whole legal situation and go through the justice system with that but Obviously, there's some people who are not on the same page about how to handle this situation, and it kind of struck me in an odd way. Now, this wasn't the point of the story, but to me it stood out as the glaring, glaring factor that I don't know why it's not getting more attention. Now, of course, as I mentioned, Antonio Brown, he is not playing, and he is facing a variety of charges um, that really are pretty despicable and disgusting. And I'm not going to go into them too deep, but just know you would agree with me that, um, I'm not really giving Antonio the benefit of the doubt in this one. I'll just put it that way. But one group who is giving Antonio the benefit of the doubt is the local Hollywood, Florida police department. Now, Antonio recently shared a video Of himself working out running all over a field and it was revealed that this field was actually a field belonging to the hollywood police athletic league it's a private field they have for their games antonio brown is from south florida hollywood area and i guess he has a good relationship with the law enforcement there they let him use their field for a workout now this is, like, this is supposed to be a comedy show. We know that. We like to laugh and joke on this show. But this just genuinely pissed me off. So I just need to go down that direction for a second here. Because Antonio Brown, he is just showing how clueless he is. Before I pop off on these police officers here and the police department here in Hollywood, Florida. Antonio Brown is really showing how fucking clueless he is. He's showing himself running around a field. He's looking fast. He's catching all these types of passes. But Antonio, obviously you don't get it, dude. Obviously you do not get it. Nobody cuts you from their team because you weren't fast. We all know you're fast. Nobody cuts you from their team because you couldn't catch the football. We all know you're great at catching the football. One of the best in the world, okay? Show a video of yourself being a fucking good person. But no, I mean, that's it's kind of too late for that. So we don't need to see a video about that, right? We've, all, we've, we have heard about all these charges and allegations coming out against Antonio Brown. And now he's filming himself running around on the field proving he's still fast. Dude, everybody fucking knew you were fast the whole time. That's why the Patriots gave you a chance even after Oakland released you for all the bullshit that you had been dealing with, right? That's why more teams even gave you a chance. Everybody knew you were fast. That never been in question. Everybody knew you can catch. That's never been in question. What is in question is your personality, is your moral fiber, is your per- is your character. So you can you can fucking run up the side of a wall and catch five footballs at the same time. That's not going to change the fact that you have uh, probably broken the law. Now we're gonna wait. We are gonna see how this plays out. We are gonna see. Obviously, let the legal system take its due course and figure out this, this case before we make any final judgment. But as they say, when there's smoke, there's fire. And this isn't just one or two allegations. These are numerous incidents, numerous. Stories where it seems pretty clear the general picture of the thing, without making making any assumption that one specific allegation is true or one specific incident is true, the general picture that surrounds Antonio Brown as you learn about all this information is he seems like a scummy type of person. Does not seem like a very good person. And maybe it's all the concussions that he's suffered. Maybe we can you know, cra- crack it up to that. Maybe it's the fame and fortune that's gotten to his head. Maybe it's all the concussions that have gotten to his head. Who knows what it is. But he does not seem like a very nice person to be around. He does not seem like a very compassionate person whatsoever from all the different stories that have come out surrounding Antonio Brown. So how clueless you could be to think that a video of yourself running around by yourself catching passes, yeah... He looks fast, but that has nothing to fucking do with why you're not playing in the NFL, Antonio Brown. That has nothing to do with it, okay? <laughs> your legal situation is still what it is, regardless of how fast you are. And for the, for the Hollywood Police Department to provide a space for Antonio Brown to work out while this man is under investigation, this is like when you ask your mom if you can have an extra cookie, she says no, and you go back and you ask your dad. I mean, the cops love him in Hollywood, Florida, but, you know, around the country, he's still under investigation for other shit that he's done that's just, frankly, heinous, if it's true. So, this is a classic situation in this country, sadly, that we see over and over and over and over again, and I know a lot of people are fucking sick of it, and frankly, if you're not sick of it, you're probably ignoring the situation or or living in some sort of a fantasy world, but the way that our... Law enforcement in this country picks and chooses when they want to enforce which laws, who they want to enforce them on, how they want to enforce them, seemingly on a case-by-case basis, on a day-to-day basis. That's the reason there's such widespread mistrust for law enforcement in this country. Obviously, that's the reason. I mean, come on. When some people, like Antonio Brown, can get this sort of special treatment while he is under investigation for some If these are true for pretty terrible acts, while he is under investigation, now, oh, the Hollywood Police Department is still giving him the place to work out, still has his back, and still, I guess, believes in him, still thinks he's a good guy. That is, like... That is the exact wrong message to send. This man is under investigation currently. This man is going through the legal process currently, but he's still, in effect, getting bailed out by, you know, police, uh, the police department in his home state. And I have no issue with individual police officers on a whole, but this is a systematic issue when, folks, there's clearly loopholes. If you're famous, you get to enjoy, right? And if you're not famous... Basically, cops get to shoot you and then get a paid vacation. That is what is accepted in this country. That's what, what the expectation is in this country. I'm not trying to, like, invent anything here. I'm just stating the facts of what we see going on, where we see police officers killing people, people of color, all the time, where we're numb to it now. We are fucking numb to it because it's something that we see all the time. People of color being murdered at the hands of police officers and yet in a situation where Antonio Brown, because he's famous, because he's a superstar football player, even with all these allegations hanging over his head, even with this all of this picture starting to get painted around the type of person Antonio Brown is, the Hollywood Police Department still deciding to give him a free pass, still deciding to give him a place to work out. And it's just to me, it's just sickening and it's just just if you don't understand why there's widespread mistrust for the police in this country this is exactly a microcosm of why this is a microcosm of why and it's not just this country this happens all over the world people getting special treatment And cops just basically using their discretion, law enforcement basically just picking and choosing, I feel like enforcing this time, I don't feel like enforcing this time, I feel like giving this guy a pass, oh I feel like shooting this guy in the chest. And cops just basically seem like they get to choose whatever they want to do, and the law isn't the same for everybody. I think that's pretty clear, that the law is not the same for everybody in this country, and with Antonio Brown's case right now, it couldn't be more clear, it couldn't be more explicit. Right? If, if it was just some other random person facing a bunch of charges who couldn't go to work, I really highly doubt that the Hollywood, Florida Police Department would bail them out and let them work out there just to, because they felt sorry for them. So they can't say that they would have treated anybody this way. It's obviously special treatment because Antonio Brown is a super famous football player. And I just, there's no other really way around it. I'm sorry, everyone, that I had to get fired up there for a second and just have a non-funny segment. But this just had to be something to be addressed. It's fucking ridiculous. The hypocrisy is everywhere. And this is why. Right. This is why. If you're confused about why don't people trust the police? Why is there animosity towards the police? It's not that your uncle, or your brother, or your father, or your friend, mom, aunt, who's a police officer, is a bad person. I'm sure most police police officers are gr- good people, and I'm sure most police officers do want to be in law enforcement to help protect and serve, serve and protect, as they as they say and as their motto you know, describes. But when we see situations like this, which we seem to see over and over and over again, of some folks getting special treatment and some folks getting exceedingly aggressive treatment on the case of police officers, on the case of law enforcement, this is why, this is why there's distress in the community about the treatment of of, of folks from law enforcement. This is why there's mistrust towards law enforcement, because it does seem like you can pick and choose which rules you want to follow, and when, and for whom. And it's definitely not equal for all Americans, and for anybody who thinks it is, wake up and climb out from under the rock that you've been sleeping under. I'm Open Family, as we all know, there's something we have to do every single episode before we say goodbye, that is... To recognize our mask off performer of the week, that recognition goes to someone who has taken their mask off and revealed something new about themselves. This week doesn't have to be good, it doesn't have to be bad, it just means that their mask has come off and we've learned something new about them. Of course, this segment is dedicated to the one and only Future. Thank you so much, Future. Mask off. Fuck it, mask off, Mask mask off fucking master man mask. I'm open family this week the mask off award goes to Tyrell Hatton and his fiance or as I'm predicting I'll just call it right here first I'm calling my shot his former fiance and that is why they are mask off award winners in conjunction with one another this week and I'm about to explain why now if you haven't heard of Tyrell Hatton before Surprise. He is a Caucasian fellow and he is a professional golfer. He's British and he's a golfer. Now, one thing we all know about golfers is do not fucking talk. Do not make any noise when they are about to hit it. Do not make noise when they're about to swing and hit the ball. No, they even have full time well, I don't know, I'm not, I don't know if this is like their full-time job, but for the entire time that a golf tournament is going on, if you haven't watched a golf tournament before, uh, that's okay, don't totally blame you, try to maybe tune in sometime when Tiger is cooking, but golf tournaments all have folks who are employed there to make sure that the audience, the fans in attendance, shut the fuck up while the golfers are getting ready to swing. They like, they're like they like, silence everyone, and they make sure everyone in the gallery, that's what they call the sort of waiting area, the fan area of a golf tournament. They make sure everybody in the gallery is silent so the golfers can focus on swinging and hitting the ball. That's how you golf. Now, the person who really comes to the forefront when you think of this is obviously Tigers. Now, I that could just because Tiger is what you always think of when you think of golf or what I always think of when I think of golf, but Tiger is especially touchy about this. And Tiger's had some times where he's really gotten ticked off. And actually been like, "Can you quiet down? I'm trying to focus on my swing." Shut the heck up. Like we've had actually times that Tiger has really gotten pissed off, gotten frustrated at photographers, at fans, at media, etc., at people around him when he's ready to swing. He does not want any noise when he's gonna swing. And of course it doesn't help that it's a long-standing sports tradition that whenever Tiger hits the ball, no matter where he is on the course, even if he's losing, winning, doesn't matter, no matter when Tiger hits the ball, everybody's supposed to shout, It's in the hole! It's in the hole, Tiger! in the hole! Because it is Tiger. He is a fucking legend. He is one of a kind. It could be in the hole at any time. Even though a lot of times it's probably not. And it's probably really fucking annoying to Tiger. You know, sometimes though, people shout, it's in the hole before Tiger even gets a chance to 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 swing. And so we've seen many a time, I'm sure you can see a blooper highlight reel or something of Tiger doing this, of Tiger being like, could you please quiet down? Please, quiet down, okay? And he really does not like that. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing that, I, that that really upsets Tiger that I've seen. That's his biggest pet peeve, is when people make noise when he's swinging. So we know this is something golfers hate. Golfers might like politeness, manners, etiquette, silence, okay? That's what they like. That's what golf is all about. So back to Tyrell Hatton, okay? This man was, you guessed it, Swinging on the European tour. This was at the Italian Open. And he was swinging. He was getting ready to hit when suddenly a slam, a noise that interrupts him and he stops. He starts. He looks his head up and he, he, he cannot focus on hitting the little golf ball in front of him. And he is distracted from his, from his, from his eye of the tiger. Uh, pun intended. And he looks over and it's his fiance coming out. Of the porta potty on the golf course, she slammed the door behind her as she left the porta potty. And he turns to her and he's like, "What are you doing?" And even shouted that to her. They caught him live on camera, and the cameraman pans pans in over to his fiance exiting the porta potty as Tyrell's like, "What are you? What are you doing? I'm trying to hit." He obviously was a little bit ticked off. Luckily, I guess for him. It was his fiancé because if it was somebody else, there's a good chance I think he would have been way more pissed off. But then when he realized it was fiance, his fiancé, he kind of let it slide. But he was still like, what are you doing? I'm trying to hit. Now, he might have been a little ticked off in the moment because she threw off his, his preparation, his backswing. But I can tell you one thing. Tyrell is going to be single very soon. If you're interested in dating a professional golfer, he might be available. Because that is something you just do not do in terms of exposing your fiancé coming out of a porta potty on national television or international television in this case because they were in Italy. And I'm talking about it over here in the United States of America, right? So now people around the world have seen Tyrell Hatton's fiancé leaving a porta potty and him calling her out like, what are you doing? So... However, pissed off, however irked Tyrell Hatton might have been in that moment when his fiance stepped out of the porta potty and made a little slamming noise of the plastic door. That, look, there's a spring coil in those doors, okay? They usually just slam shut on their own, Tyrell. It's not really her fault. She probably was not trying to slam it as hard as she could. That's the way a lot of those porta potties are built, so they don't let the terrible odors waft out into the public. The door just, boom, they just slam shut as soon as you open and close them. That's the way they're engineered which is a good um, engineering idea. That was a very practical design. But however irked and frustrated Tyrell might have been in that moment of the slam, I can promise you that will be dwarfed by how pissed off his fiance was at him when they got back to the hotel they were staying at or wherever they were staying for this tournament, the Italian Open. Okay, because for some reason... And please, you know, call in, comment in on our Instagram, I'm Open underscore pod, if you don't think this is true, reach out to us and let us know if you don't think this is true. But for some reason, in our experience here, uh through the I'm Open podcast with our staff, with our guests, and uh, throughout life, we've realized that everyone uh has a feeling of shame upon leaving a porta potty, upon leaving a portable restroom, as it were. Now... It doesn't, like, totally make sense rationally, but that's okay because shame isn't always really a rational thing, right? But for some reason, even though we all know that we need to use the restroom, that is a just classic, you know, classic fact of life. If you're not going to the restroom, you're actually the weird one. Hate to break it to you, but it's not weird. We shouldn't feel self-conscious about... Uh relieving ourselves because that is a part of our bodies that is that is natural for all living things but for some reason there's a certain little like squeamishness or, squeamishness or certain little like awkwardness we feel even like buying toilet paper at the grocery store or wherever you might buy your toilet paper because then you're looking around in the checkout line like oh crap all these guys know I poop now But, you know, everybody eventually is going to need to buy toilet paper. So, it's not like, if you see somebody buying, like, 20 rolls of toilet paper, you're not like, oh boy, this guy's got diarrhea, like, whoa, we all know his. And I hate to get too nitty-gritty with it, but it's like, just because you're buying a lot of toilet paper doesn't mean you're going to use it all at once, obviously. Right, but for some reason, there's a certain like sort sort of shame or embarrassment when you're buying like a bunch and big jumbo pack of toilet paper. People should be patting patting you on the back because that is really just sensible. That's economical. That's thrifty. Eventually, you will use it. It might not all be today, and hopefully, it isn't all today. But eventually, somebody will use it. Conversely, if you see somebody buying only one roll of toilet paper. That's when you should probably just, like, honestly just check in with them. And just ask, are you okay? Is everything going okay? And I I mean, you might wonder why, but if you see somebody who's just holding one roll of toilet paper in the checkout aisle... This person literally might only expect that they have a couple weeks left to live, which is terrible, it's morbid. They're really just living for the current moment and nothing else with no thoughts of their future. They're not planning ahead at all. They're not even considering, you know, what they might be doing next month or next year. They're literally just trying to survive through one roll of toilet paper to make it through. So if you see people who are who are only getting one roll of toilet paper in the checkout line, just be a buddy. And just ask if they want a hug. Or maybe just ask if they want to talk. Because if somebody's only buying one roll of toilet paper at once, they're clearly in some sort of a desperate situation where they don't know. They're not planning beyond tomorrow. Or next week. Or the week after that. Or however long this toilet paper is going to last, that's all they really can plan for right now. That's the only expectation they really have right now. Just ultimate survival in the moment. So those are the people that are really in a desperate situation with their backs up against the wall who you should really check in on. Not the people who are buying 60 rolls of toilet paper as once. Those people are smart as shit. Now back to the Tyrell Hatton situation with his fiance. And and the shame that we feel of, of coming out of a porta potty. Now we all know, as I mentioned, that we use the restroom. That's a basic fact of human life. That's a basic fact of the way our bodies work. But for some reason, whenever we leave a porta potty, we all have our heads down and rush out as fast as we fucking can. So nobody sees us coming out of the porta potty. Nobody realizes that we were just in the porta potty, even though. Obviously, everybody has probably had to use a porta potty at some point or other in their life or might have to in the future. Because that's just, you know, sometimes you're not somewhere with a nice indoor bathroom. You're at an outdoor event, like a golf tournament, like these guys were a music festival or a state fair or, or a concert or who knows, right? But you're sometimes going to be at a place where there's not a nice indoor restroom and you use a porta potty. That's basic and it shouldn't be something that we're embarrassed about, but for some reason, it is. It is. It's just a fact. We, out, we get out of the porta potty. We all hustle as fast as we can. We do like an almost sprint, like speed walk. We have our head down so nobody recognizes us. And we just quickly, quickly try to blend into the crowd. So nobody realizes that we were the ones in the porta potty because that's so embarrassing. But in this situation, Tyrell had his wife come out and he called her out on TV. The cameraman zoomed over, panned over to his fiance, I'm sorry, she's not gonna be his wife now because she's cutting his ass up, not physically, but I'm just saying, emotionally, verbally. I am sure she chewed his ass out as soon as they got back. Because yeah, if it's embarrassing just to people see you walk out of a porta potty, imagine to have a camera zoom in on you, and then now people all the way around the world, including myself, have all seen you walking out of a porta potty. This is all of our nightmare. It's a nightmare. And to put your fiancé on blast like that? Now, let's hope this woman has a great dry sense of humor for Tyrell's case. Because if not, she has already left him by the time this podcast is, is released. Because you cannot put your fiancé on blast sp- You know, you can't put your woman out there to be embarrassed like that, Tyrell. That is not very thoughtful or compassionate. Yeah, peeing is a part of life. Shitting is a part of life. But your girlfriend doesn't want every, your fiancé, excuse me, ex-fiancé, does not want everyone in the whole world to know that she was using the porta potty that she had to pee during her tournament. Why would she want us all to know that? But we know. We now know. He even said in the video, That's my fiancé. So, okay, it would be just be one thing. Just play it off, dude. Just play it cool. And, 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 uh, Mr. Hatton, he, he like chuckled it off. He like, hey, what are you doing? It's you. Like, he thought it was a funny situation in the moment. Trust me. To her, it's not that funny, bro. It's not that funny to her. It's one of those things that it's funny to you. It's not that funny to her right? And you can just say, hey, what are you doing? Hey, I'm trying to swing. You don't have to tell everyone live on the air, oh, hey, that's my fiance, and point over to her, put her on blast so the cameraman can pan to her and zoom to her. Just say, oh, I don't know who that is. Could be anyone. I'm going to go ahead and swing. Don't say, hey, everyone, that's my fiance. Zoom in on her wiping her hands on her jeans as she leaves the porta potty No, that's not what you do. That's not what you do. So, Tyrell Hatton is definitely in huge trouble. I'm sure this did not go over well. It's a it's one of those little moments that, "Oh, it's a jokey joke when you're out in front of your friends out in public." The second you walk through that door, your ass is getting called out. And I know that's exactly what happened to Tyrell Hatton. I know that his fiance did not let that shit slide. No pun intended. I wasn't even trying to joke about the, the porta potty thing, but I just, I know she didn't let that shit slide. So, that is why Tyrell Hatton and his ex-fiance are our mask off performers of the week. Tyrell, we'd love to have you come on the show to try to explain yourself. Uh, Tyrell's fiance, we are, see, we are actually compassionate and respectful people on this show. I am open podcast. That's why we have not shared her name. That way, we have not disclosed her identity, but you know who you are. As soon as you listen to this episode, Mrs. Former Tyrell Hatton's ex-fiance, please reach out to our team here at I Am Open. We would love to get you to come on the show. Maybe we can blur your face or, like, do that weird thing where we distort your voice just to kind of get your story about uh, this whole situation and-, and hear about the aftermath of that relationship. And we would really love to hear what went down in private, behind the scenes, after that incident went down. So, that is why Tyrell Hatton and the former future ex-Mrs. Tyrell Hatton are our Mask Off Performers of the Week as a pair, or, uh, ex-pair, because we are revealing now for the first time publicly, this is the announcement, breaking news, the engagement is off. Yeah. Yeah the engagements off. Sorry guys. Thanks again for listening to I'm open podcast. We hope you had almost as much fun as we did. Don't forget to give us a rating and write us a review about how much you love the show. Tell a friend to watch the show and follow us on Instagram at I'm open underscore pod for one of a kind content you won't find anywhere else. Everybody have a great night and don't forget to stay open.